Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, almost halfway through August, right? August 12th here, the the Thursday of the 19th week in Ordinary Time. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you here with us during this hour of our program about spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio, The Inner Life. And have you had some really warm days wherever you live over the last week or two? Uh, You know, where I live, we have had some just hot sweltering days. The humidity has been up. It's been oppressively hot. And I was thinking to myself this morning, well, you know, we're in those dog days of summer. Have you heard that that uh, phrase before? The hot summer months called the dog days of summer. I remember hearing that phrase more when I was younger. I don't really hear it that much anymore from people. But do you know what the dog days of summer are? I had to look this up because as soon as I said it in my mind, I said, well, if I say that on the air, I better know, are we actually in the dog days of summer? Believe it or not, the dog days of summer began this year on July 3rd, day before Independence Day here in the U.S., and it ended just yesterday. So if you started out your morning like me thinking, we're in the dog days of summer, you and I both missed it by one day. But then you might say, well, why are they called the dog days of summer? And so according to the Farmer's Almanac, the phrase, it's actually a reference to the fact that during that stretch of time, July 3rd to August 11th, the sun occupies the same region of the sky as the star Sirius. And so Sirius, it's the brightest star. You might already know this. It's the brightest star visible from any point of the Earth. And it's part of the constellation Canis Major, or what we might call the big dog or the greater dog uh, of the constellations. And so this is why Sirius is sometimes called the dog star, brightest star in Canis Major. So during that period, July 3rd to August 11th, specifically, it rises and sets with the sun. And on July 23rd, that date, it's actually in conjunction with the sun. And because Sirius is so bright... Uh, from here on earth when we look at it. The ancient Romans believed it actually gave off heat, that it added to the sun's warmth. And so this goes all the way back to ancient Rome. They were the ones who began calling this time in the summer the dog days, identifying 20 days before and 20 days after this alignment of the star Sirius with the sun. So July 3rd, to August 11th, the dog days of summer. But even if we're officially past the dog days of summer, boy, it has, where, where I live, it's been so hot out there. And I'm sure that's the case for many of you that are listening. Uh, so do you have a favorite way that you cool off, you know, looking for that way to just deal with the heat? Do you go swimming, go out to the beach, go to a pool? Do you uh, race from your air-conditioned house into your air-conditioned car and then from your car into an air-conditioned place of employment? Uh, Maybe do you eat ice cream? 
And that's probably my kid's favorite way, way, at least one of their favorite ways to cool off in the summer. An ice cream cone or an ice cream bar, it's just a fun way to cap off a hot summer day. You know, sitting outside, enjoying that cold, sweet treat, trying to eat it fast enough that it doesn't melt away and you have it running down your arms and dripping off your elbows, but not eating it too fast so that you don't give yourself one of those ice cream headaches. And, you know, besides the, just the normal ice cream cone, that classic way to have ice cream, I think my favorite ice cream treat is probably the ice cream sandwich. Ice cream bars, they're okay. And I'm sure they're probably the top sellers for ice cream truck drivers throughout the neighborhoods across the country. But I'm not going to turn down an ice cream bar, but I'd rather have an ice cream sandwich. And, you know, that ice cream truck, that's another fun memory from past summers of my childhood. And maybe you're like me. Do you remember just trying to flag down the driver? You'd, you'd hear that music playing down the street. Oh, the ice cream man is coming. Maybe a few blocks away. And you'd think to yourself, do I have enough money to get something from the ice cream truck? And so you race up to your room. You get whatever coins, maybe if you have an actual dollar bill, and you race back outside so you can catch the ice cream truck. And if it's already past your house... You're running down the road, maybe waving that dollar bill in the air above your head as you're chasing down the truck with all the varieties of the ice cream treats. And then you're standing there in front of it when you finally catch uh, the ice cream truck, standing there looking at all the options. Uh, Would it be a standard ice cream bar or would it be the ice cream sandwich? Would you get something that had candy pieces in it? Uh, Would it be something that was different from the standard vanilla or the chocolate flavors? And as a kid, ice cream, it was almost kind of like going into the store and looking at the candy aisle. You know, you're spending your precious change or those few dollars that you had saved. And it was. It was worth running down the street after that ice cream truck, playing that loud, annoying music, waking up every child in the, in the suburban area or, you know, whatever area of the street, the, the city that you lived in. And you're waving your arms. You don't care what anybody else thinks of you. I've got to get ice cream. And I think Klondike, they're the company that knew that everybody had this kind of generational same experience as children. They had that jingle that they played on their commercials for years. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Yep, that's the one. And in their commercials... You'd see these adults initially refusing to act silly, you know. Um, no, I, I would never do such a thing. I'm, I'm far too dignified for that. But then the temptation of a Klondike bar waved in front of them. It was too much for them. And so then they'd start acting like a barnyard animal making, you know, uh, animal sounds. Or they'd sing, I'm a little teapot in public or something like that. But, you know, more than ice cream, more than what would you do for a Klondike bar, When it's something really significant, when it's something really important to you, what are you willing to do then? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to endure for the sake of something truly precious to you? As we get older, some things, they just become so important, so precious, so valuable to us. Things that it's not even, you can't even put an actual dollar amount on the value that something holds for us. And of course, I'm talking about things like our faith like our family. You know, earlier this week, we celebrated the Feast of St. Lawrence. And coming up this Saturday, we're going to be celebrating the Feast of St. Maximilian Kolbe. And these two men, they considered their faith in Christ and also caring for those in need around them so important that they both ultimately went to their death because of holding to their beliefs. 
because of claiming to be followers of Christ. Would you be willing to suffer and possibly die for the love of Jesus? Would you give up your life for another person because you see Jesus in the eyes of the sick or the poor or the imprisoned? Well, today we want to spend this hour looking at the life and the example of St. Maximilian Kolbe and how we can have that same love of Christ, that same love of our neighbor, how we can be a modern-day saint and not be afraid of living out that possible martyrdom that God calls us to and helping us look at the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe and how we can be those 21st century martyrs for the faith. Our spiritual director today, Father Craig DeYoung. Uh, Father Craig is a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. He's the pastor of St. Louis the King uh, of France Parish in Austin, Texas. And uh, Father Craig, so glad to have you back here on the program. How's the weather been where you are? Are you dealing with some pretty warm days out there as well in Austin? Well, it is warm compared to the uh, the rest of the world, I think, but uh, it, it, it's been fairly mild for a Texas summer so far, and so it's still been somewhat overcast. We still even have the possibility of rain today. Uh, but that being said, it's still uh, in the 90s. So Okay, so <laughs> have you had your fair share of ice cream so far this summer? You know, I did even better. I actually took a vacation up to Michigan, so that was uh, that was excellent. Wonderful. Good to hear, Father. Well, as I said, we want to talk about St. Maximilian Kolbe here. Um, And maybe you can start off by telling us a little about his life. He's a fairly recent, I mean, in in the the history of the church, fairly recent martyr and saint that uh, we have as part of the canonized saints that we celebrate through the course of the liturgical year. Right. Uh, Yes, so St. Maximilian Kolbe... um, I mean, what a what a beautiful saint, first of all. But uh, he lived, I, I guess, a, a fairly ordinary childhood, um, excepting that it was in the early 20th century. And uh, uh, except maybe for one really beautiful event when he was young, he had uh, sort of a vision from our Blessed Mother, um, you know, and he was saying, what's to become of me? And uh, she offered him sort of uh, two crowns, a white crown or a red crown. And the white was uh, a crown, a symbol of a life of purity, and the red, uh, that of martyrdom. And uh, he said, I'll take both. Um, from there out, though, he uh, li- lived a fairly ordinary childhood, but um, eventually uh, he became a conventional Franciscan friar. He's a Polish, um, um, Polish priest and uh, was really... Uh, had a great devotion and love for the Blessed Mother, especially in the patronage of the Immaculate Heart of Mary or uh, Immaculate Virgin Mary, um, and uh, really worked in evangelization. His desire was the conversion of sinners um, to overcome, too, through the intercession of our Blessed Lady, the enemies of the Church, to, to gain the conversion of, of those hearts and, and, and persons uh, for the Lord. And uh, worked in that way through his life. He gained doctorates both in philosophy and theology, and uh, even uh, founded um, some friaries in Japan and India uh, before coming back to to Poland um, to live at one of the friaries there. And of course, uh, at this point in his life, um, he was working in in publishing and and, uh, even dabbled in radio when uh, World War II began and Poland was invaded. And so during that time, uh, he remained in the monastery. At one point, they had a hospital uh, going there uh, during the invasion. His city was conquered. He was arrested and released at one point, uh, and then continued during that time to host refugees and people escaping from the Nazi regime uh, through the monasteries and uh, also publishing anti-Nazi publications 
um, and eventually was arrested by the Gestapo and placed in the Auschwitz uh, prison, uh, where at that point, where most people know sort of the story of, of St. Maximilian Kolbe, he, um, being a faithful priest in this situation, uh, ministering to um, and praying with uh, the fellow prisoners there, um, there was, I guess, a, a presumed escape attempt, and to deter and to punish the prisoners for uh, these three persons who came up missing, uh, they uh, decided to put 10 men uh, in the prison to death uh, simply by starving them to death. And Maximilian Kolbe volunteered himself in that moment for one of the men uh, who was to be killed, begging uh, the um, uh, the guy who was uh, punishing them to allow him to take his place and to to die in his stead because that man had a family and, and children. Um, and so, um, you know, in some uh, miraculous uh, way, I guess the Lord allowed for that, and he was with those men uh, for many weeks, singing and, and praying with them uh, as they one by one died, until there was just a few uh, of them left, including St. Maximilian, and uh, instead of allowing the uh, starvation to take its course, they injected him uh, with carbolic acid in his veins for his death. And so he, um, out of love for his fellow man, laid down his life, of course, which the Lord says, no greater love hath a man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he gave his life as a uh, a witness to uh, the love of Christ and did so um, to save his fellow man's life. Later on, he was canonized, and the man who survived, whose place he took, actually came to his canonization at that time, which is pretty beautiful. And uh, St. John Paul II named him the martyr of um, the 20th century, or the, the patron of the 20th century, and the martyr of charity, which is really a beautiful witness. So he lived a, a very uh, beautiful life up until his death, and then died in such a beautiful way to give witness testimony to God's love. Mm. Yeah, it's such a remarkable life, and he's also, uh, many of us that work in Catholic broadcasting know that he's also a patron saint for Catholic radio, for broadcasting, That's right. and so every year he uh, kind of holds a special place for us here um, for uh, relevant radio. But, you know, as we're talking about the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, and him stepping in and saying, I will take the place of this husband and father so that he will hopefully be able to be reunited with his family and I'll, I'll die in his stead. Uh, you know, we can look at that and say, boy, how noble and how honorable. But I think from the outside, people might look at someone who's martyred for the faith and not just St. Maximilian, I, almost anybody who says, I'm... Uh, they, they have that unwillingness to deny Christ, to compromise on their beliefs. And that non-Christian might say, you know, what a waste of a life. Uh, or someone looking on the outside, they might think that Catholics have some sort of fascination with death or with suffering. Because, I mean, even as we talk about it in the language of the church, we talk about we're celebrating the feast of. Um, and there are so many different saints who have been killed, have been martyred for the faith. And even the central figure of our entire religion, it's Jesus, the God-man hanging on a cross, a means of public humiliation and execution. And we hang these crucifixes everywhere. They're in all of our churches. They're in our homes. Uh, you know, on Good Friday, we have that time where we come up, we touch or we kiss, we reverence the cross there um, as the reminder of Christ's suffering and death. So, uh, can we talk about how we understand martyrdom 
and death in the light of our faith, even though it might look like a really kind of backwards or messed up view of death and suffering from somebody that's looking in from the outside? Yes, I, I think, you know, it is is really a mark of Christianity um, from the very beginning that this is something that um, has, as the scriptures put it, is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, um, that we would be willing to give up an earthly life for the sake of a heavenly life. Uh, I guess in the eyes of the world, it, so often it looks as though it is a waste because what is valued by the world are worldly things. And so if the most important thing is your worldly life and your earthly possessions and your earthly life and health and all these sorts of things, which are good things, um, you, you wouldn't be willing to give them up if those are the highest of good things. And yet martyrdom, and especially the death of our Lord, and, um, and, and more than that death, the resurrection of our Lord, shows us that, no, the highest good is the relationship with God that brings us to eternal life um, in Christ. And so, um, in the eyes of the world, when you don't have a belief that God is the Lord uh, of, of the living, that he, he has the power to conquer sin and death, um, if, if you don't come to that act of faith, a gift of faith, and accept that gift of faith from the Lord, then you're going to value earthly things as your highest goods. And so martyrdom makes no sense because you're giving up the highest good for something, you know, that is is a great suffering or a great tragedy, and uh, your highest good being in your life, your earthly life. Um, but when you, in in faith, can see that God has power over sin and death, that He can bring uh, the dead to life and the resurrection um, of of our Lord, um, and He promises that those who live with Him and die with Him will rise with Him. Uh, then your whole perspective on the world and the highest good changes. The highest good becomes God and your relationship with him and to live life with him uh, so as to share in his life uh, and the life to come. Then martyrdom is an incredible witness. It's a beautiful thing because it conforms you to Christ. It helps you to to show forth that power and the love of God in the midst of um you know, tragedy and, and difficult circumstances, and to, to profess that faith often in, in oh, always, I guess, in contradiction to to that lie that the world is the highest good, it's the only thing that matters, that it is um, really just, um, you know, foolishness to throw one's life away out of love for God and, and for uh, your neighbor. And, uh, and so it, it is sort of, I, I guess, uh, Difficult to see that without faith, and but the beauty, of course, is that when when God, one gives that witness in faith, it, it it helps people to see the truth. It helps to to show that light into the darkness and show people that look, look at the beauty of this event. Look at look at how much love this person had and the faith that they had, and why would they do that um, if 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 God's love wasn't real and the resurrection wasn't real. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Josh? <laughs> well, uh, tell you what. I will tell you what I think, um, because I've got uh, something that G.K. Ch- Chesterton uh, wrote, you know, probably about 100 years ago or a little less. But uh, a quote that stuck with me, but we need to take a really quick time out here, Father. Our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Craig DeYoung, he is a priest from the uh, Diocese of Austin, Texas. And we're talking about the example of St. Maximilian Kolbe and how we can take 
take that example of a martyr for the faith and live that out in our own lives. And how do you live your life so that you are willing to give it up for Jesus? When have you faced that time where you had to die to yourself? Maybe, you know, it's not a physical death, but having to say, I am not going to put myself first. Or as Father Craig was talking about, realizing that what we have here in this world, it's not the greatest good. The greatest good that we have is our life in Christ. What has helped you to be less attached to your life? Our studio line is open for your phone call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll be back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director on the program today. Father Craig DeYoung, a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas, pastor of St. Louis King of France Parish in Austin, Texas, and today talking about the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe and especially how we can look at that example of him offering his life, being a martyr for the faith, and how that can uh, be an example for us in how we live. How have you taken on that role of being willing to be that martyr for Christ in your own life? And it might be little things, might be certain things that you say, you know, I am just going to uh, place God above my desires and my wants. How do you, uh, how, how have you been able to deny yourself and what's helped you to be less attached to your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, I also, I don't think I've ever asked you, I've always said uh, St. Louis, King of France Parish, Father Craig, uh, do you actually say St. Louis or do you actually say St. Louis with more of the uh, kind of uh, true French pronunciation of the name? Oh uh, no, we are we're we're all American here. We say St. Louis, King of France, Catholic <laughs> right. Church and school. So, <laughs> oh, very good. There's a school. Oh, what yeah, what uh, what grades do, do you yeah. have there? We have uh, pre K through eighth grade. Okay, very good. All all the way up until they head off to high school. Well, um, right. Father Craig, right before the break, you'd asked me, you know, my thoughts on the question of um, looking at martyrdom from the outside. And one of the the quotes that I love from G.K. Chesterton, he wrote about martyrdom in his book, All Things Considered. And one line that stood out to me is where he talks about the non-Christian, the pagan, looking at the willingness of Christians to die for their faith. And not just die, but go forward with actually not a dreary dread, but with a joy, a happiness to meet their end. And what 
uh, Chesterton then says, he says that the pagan responds looking at this by saying, if Christianity makes a man happy while his legs are being eaten by a lion, might it not make me happy while my legs are still attached to me and walking down the street? And so I, I know Chesterton always has this great way of a uh, great turn of phrase in how he expresses something. But maybe we can talk a little bit more about that fact of being that living martyr, especially when we do have the trials, the persecutions, um, the difficulties that we face in our life. But if we proceed with that joy, and joy is something we just talked about uh, yesterday here on The Inner Life. But, you know, if if we're saying... I'm looking at the greatest good that I can possibly have, and it's Christ, right? It's, it's my relationship with God and knowing that I have that hope of eternity, that hope of salvation to be united with Christ after this life. If I can face any difficulty in my life with joy, that kind of going back to what you said, it becomes this enormous witness. We don't necessarily have to just uh, offer our physical lives. We don't have to die that physical death of being a martyr. We can be that martyr in other ways, but still face that martyrdom of what's happening in this moment. Uh, maybe a spiritual or an emotional or a mental martyrdom that we're dealing with. Uh, we can still be joyful in that moment and be a strong witness for Christ. Uh, I, I'd like to kind of maybe preface my response to that with a couple of thoughts. One is, you know, the tactics of, of the world towards Christianity have, have changed over the centuries. And I think, you know, um, St. Maximilian, as uh, the patron of the 20th century, really is a good pivotal sort of um, witness to that various approach. So, you know, in the past, martyrs were killed out of hatred for the faith. And in this case, Maximilian Kolbe was named a martyr uh, of charity, which means it wasn't give up Christianity or die, which he died for. It was the choice of loving. And I think the tactic of the world has in the past been just to kill Christians, to engage with Christianity, to try to discredit Christianity in various ways. It seems the tactic of the modern or postmodern world is to try to make Christianity irrelevant, um, to try to sort of say, oh, the questions are already answered and those Christians are just simply uh, people who believe things that aren't true or something of that sort, and sort of run around pretending that the, the relevance of Christianity has already been disproven, and therefore just to sort of dismiss Christians. And so, in a certain sense, to give the witness of charity, to be willing to die for the acts of love, of death for one's neighbor, you know, out of love for Christ and for them, um, sort of shows the relevance of Christianity. It shows uh, why it's relevant in the world in which we live. Um, you know, the questions of the human heart have not changed. Everybody really is seeking, where am I coming from? Why am I here? How am I to live? What comes next? Um, who am I in, in, in this life and in, in, in this world? And Christianity has the answer to those questions, and nothing else can really answer them. People find meaning and purpose in, in sort of these um, substandard ways, in an impoverished way. And Christianity has the answers to the deepest questions of the human heart. Um, who am I? Well, that's answered in who God is and how he sees me and, and how he's created and made me. And, and well, where am I from? Well, the origin of us and, and how the world actually is and how human beings actually are and, and how we're to live in this life so as to flourish. And not only to flourish in this life, but to share in the life to come. And so to be a witness um, or a martyr of charity in this life is to show the relevance of Christianity, that Christianity has the questions, the answers to the questions that every human person is asking. 
And so when we can, in the suffering, in the difficulties of daily life, live with joy and show the joy of knowing the Lord and knowing that we are loved by him and who we are before him and how we're supposed to live in relationship to one another, and we can suffer with joy, that we can embrace the, the, the sacrifices with joy, shows the relevance of Christianity to a world that has constantly dismissed Christianity as irrelevant. And we're on relevant radio, so this makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, but I think I think that is the answer, is that when we can do those things with joy, it makes people's attention uh, perk up and say, what is this person experiencing that I'm not? What does this person have that I don't? Um, and for me, this is this is very personal because it was joy that brought me to the Catholic faith. Uh, when I was in college, I had not experienced that, and I uh, didn't grow up Catholic. I think I've mentioned that before in the show. But I kept meeting joyful people, people who lived the faith authentically and really seeking to offer worship to the Lord and love each other and live in good and authentic relationships with one another. And I said, what do they have that I don't? Whatever they have, I want that. I want that. And so when we live the sufferings of this life and embrace um, sacrifice out of love for God and for neighbor um, and with joy, well, it certainly shows the relevance of Christianity. Yeah, I, I also love the fact that not only does it show the relevance of Christianity, as you've you know described in your own life, Father, but it opens that door that somebody might engage in dialogue about what we believe. And it takes me back to, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi that is always uh, attributed this quote, the preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Um, but, you know, the, the actions that speak louder than words kind of aspect that you're talking about, they're facing uh, not, not just the good times, but, yeah, especially those difficult moments in our lives with joy. It makes such a big difference. Um, so in your own personal journey, did it open up? Did you start having those conversations then with people that were Catholic, that you you see this joy? Or was it more just an internal kind of searching and asking? I think it was both. It started out as, as an internal searching and sort of wrestling with, well, I'm not happy. What do I have to do to be happy? And looking for it, seeing it in them, wanting to be close to them, and then the obstacles that prevented faith, um, I would engage and ask questions. What about Mary? What about the Pope? What about um, this particular moral issue? And then people would answer. And so I was curious. It caused a curiosity in saying, well, um, I, I, I want to be, I want to find truth. Uh, that's something that's always driven me. Um, and, and so that caused an engagement that then removed obstacles to me being, being able to eventually say, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. I will follow uh, the Lord that what he has said in Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection is true. Yeah, yeah, that search for truth. I mean, that, that right there is, is really the journey that everyone who has a genuine faith um, experience. <laughs> it's, it's looking for the truth, and we find it personified in Jesus Christ. Um, Father Craig, let me throw out the phone number one more time, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Today, talking about living as modern-day martyrs for our faith. And again, might not be in that we lay down our lives physically, but in the way that we approach those different difficult moments, the different trials, the, the um, things that we have that can put our uh, reputation maybe on the line, 
Um, maybe you go through an emotional martyrdom. How have you been able to face that with the joy that Father Craig is talking about, with that smile on your face in, in the face of those trials or persecutions? Um, what has helped you to be less attached to your life and to allow Christ to shine forth through you? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father Craig, you know, St. Paul, he has this part of his letter to the Philippians, and it's in the first chapter there. And he says, to me, life is Christ and death is gain. And he goes on to talk about how that he's kind of caught between these two. He wants to die so that he can be with Christ in heaven. But he knows that if he remains here, if he continues working, that he's working for Christ, and it's necessary for the benefit of those he encounters day in, day out, you know, the different uh, missionary churches that he started. So we kind of find ourselves as Christians, very much like St. Paul, in this kind of juxtaposition where we want to live life knowing that our time on earth is for the benefit of those around us, but we also want to be with Jesus in heaven. So while we're here on earth, we want to live that full life, but having that mindset of being excited about moving toward heaven. Um, How do we find kind of that healthy balance so that we're not so heavenly focused (laughs) that we uh, shirk off maybe the work that God wants us to do here, but also that we're not so focused on the things that we're doing here that we wouldn't be ready at a moment's notice if Christ were to call us home to heaven? You know, I I think um, I'll make a bold claim, and I think others have made it before, which is that the world is made for the sake of man uh, to get to heaven, in that uh, the goods of the world are meant to be helps to us. Um, They are are good things, and we want to acknowledge those goods and enjoy those goods um, with with virtue, certainly with temperance. Um, And and certainly uh, we we, we want to enjoy those good things. Uh, but it signs to us of God's goodness, and to realize that these things are but sort of foreshadowings or foretastes of, of the good things that, that heaven uh, has, that, that all these things point us toward uh, that end. And we often make the mistake of sort of settling in this world and thinking this is as good as it gets when, when all we've had is the appetizer and the main course is waiting for us. Um, and uh, I, I think, too, the other thing that's maybe a helpful analogy is, you know, I, I think Maybe people have had the common experience of being away from loved ones for for a period of time, and, and sometimes a very long period of time. And the longing, uh, the homesickness, sorts of grows in the person, and they're really looking forward to seeing their their loved one. And that 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 longing, um, as they remember the times with them, they remember um, the love that they've had with that person. It, it, it sort of grows, and uh, the closer you sort of get to seeing that person again, it can even get so intense it's almost painful. And I sort of think about Jesus in incarnation coming to earth so that we might fall in love with him and to know that love of God. But then when he ascends to heaven, he's sort of tied a bond of love to us. And so now sits at the right hand of the Father, but our eyes are on him because he's the one whom we love. When we want to be where he is, we want to be with him. And I almost see that love, and, and two, our loved ones and the saints who go now to be with the Lord, being there uh, sort of with him, awaiting the resurrection and the final judgment and all those things, like cords of love that tie us to him but are pulling us onward. And so we, we sort of have our eyes fixed on our loved one and that growing and that anticipation of being with him 
um, grows. And as we approach that day, I, I think I've experienced this sometimes with the elderly as they're approaching the end of their life, sort of being like, you know, I, I can't wait to be with God. I can't wait to be with my Lord and to see my loved ones in this way. That longing and that intensity sort of grows. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to leave the good things of the world behind, which I think is kind of what St. Paul is talking about, is death is gain, not only in terms of dying the earthly life, but sort of that interior death of, of attachment to those earthly things, to realize I'm willing to leave all of this behind in order to be with the one whom, who loves me and whom I love, and to be with those others that I love as well in the communion of saints. And it's like what you were saying at the beginning of the show today, like what would you do for a Klondike bar? Well, what would you do to be with your loved ones? Uh, would you give up these things? And that's sort of an earthly experience. And then you can take that even further and say, and if God is the one who has loved me perfectly, and I've seen that in the life of Christ, what would I be willing to do to share life and eternity with God? And that changes everything. Uh, and so death is gain, because now you get to, to um, have what you've been longing for, um, you get to be with the Lord in heaven for eternity. That's beautiful, Father. Um, you know, I was, I had a friend who his father had that exact experience that you're talking about, where I remember him telling me, oh, as I was talking with my dad before he passed away, you know, so many of his friends, you know, his wife had already gone, so my friend's mother, um, he, he didn't have those things that were still holding him here that he might have had when he was in his 20s, 30s, 40s. And so as he was in his 70s, um, you know, there's less and less things. And, and I even remember talking with my kids about this too, where, you know, they'll ask questions around the dinner table, you know, oh, if you could, if you could be in perfect health until you were 100 and you just knew you were going to die then, or if you, you know, got old until you were 200, but you knew you'd live 200 years, um, which one would you choose? And I said, oh, I wouldn't want to be in perfect health because I think the older I get, those little pains and aches that you wake up with in the morning or, you know, things that you can tell, well, my body isn't as good as it was when I was in my 20s. It helps me not be as attached to my life. And it makes me think, you know, as you were saying, Father, this is just the appetizer, the main course dessert, you know, all those other good things, they're yet to come. The best is yet to come. Uh, I, I love that so much. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Craig DeYoung, a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. And we're talking about how we can be martyrs in our own lives. We can be willing to offer up our lives for Christ. It might not be that we ever face that martyrdom ourselves of, of a physical death that we would uh, have to offer our lives for Christ that way. But maybe there's other ways that you have had to live your life so that you're willing to give it up for Jesus. When have you faced that time where you've had to die to yourself in order to live for Christ? What has helped you to be less attached to your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app right after this. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. 
This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. This is indeed The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for this hour of the program, Father Craig DeYoung, a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas, today talking about what it means to be a modern-day martyr for the faith. And how have you lived out that attitude of saying, I'm willing to give up my life for Christ. Uh, when have you faced that time where you had to die to yourself? You know, Jesus talks about how if we want to follow him, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. Uh, what has helped you to be less attached to your life? 888-914-9149 is our studio line. 888 888- 914-9149, our email address, life at relevantradio.com. And while I mention our, our email address also, if you have a different topic that you'd like us to cover in a future program here on The Inner Life, if there's an area um, as we talk about how we can grow closer to Christ, ways that we can incorporate prayer more into our lives, ways that we can deepen our relationship, um, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, email me, life at relevantradio.com, and uh, we'll try and get that into the program here in the coming weeks. Uh, Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father Craig, you know, as we're talking about being those martyrs for Christ, having that attitude, uh, we haven't really said it directly, but I think it, it probably stands that for most of us that are here in the Western world, the English speaking world, especially in the U.S., Um, we're probably not going to die a physical death of martyrdom because we are Catholic. But we want to still have that same attitude of the martyrs. And one of the things that I remember reading, I don't know how long ago, but I, I read that humiliation is the new martyrdom in our contemporary time. I, I don't know who said it, but do you think that's where we are with our contemporary society? Is the the killing of your reputation, if you stand up for what you believe, especially, you know, people can be so cruel in social media and the way that you say one thing that isn't considered politically correct or that it um, doesn't fall in line with what, uh, a, and I don't want to get into politics here. I just am saying with what a vocal um, group in in our culture might say, nope, that doesn't line up with what we want you to say. And all of a sudden, we can find ourselves kind of on the chopping block virtually there. Um, is that kind of our new martyrdom, martyrdom that we're facing here in contemporary society? I think that's certainly a very large part of it. Just, you know, when you do not sort of uh, conform with... Um, I guess, a, um, a popular opinion or something that has uh, a force behind it. Maybe it's not even widely popular in terms of percentages, um, but, you know, that's what the loudest voice is saying, that when you don't sort of um, conform to, to that voice, you are sort of excluded. You are written off. You are uh, villainized so often. And this happens, as you said before, on both sides of the political spectrum, um, we as Catholics really are called to be faithful, and that faithfulness in, in the midst of that um, is a, a sort of martyrdom, I think. It's a witness to love in the midst of a culture that uh, sees love very distortedly. Uh, it's a witness to hope. Uh, it's a witness to, to faith, of course. 
And so when, when we when we choose to be faithful to Jesus and uh, to the life that he asks us to live, how we're, we're to live in relationship to him and to one another, um, and we suffer for that sort of a humiliation, or we suffer for that sort of an ostracization, um, and we're pushed to the side or, or treated, as I mentioned before, as irrelevant, um, Yes, I mean that's a that's a sort of martyrdom, and so we can certainly do that um, in how we give witness. Now, we have to be very careful, I think, about not doing that from a place of pride, um, not doing that from a place of sort of belligerence, um, but with not a, inviting that heart. just for our own gratification. Exactly, and so it's it's meek and humble of heart. You know, I think is is uh, the motto that I would say for give that witness, be bold in the faith. And uh, yes, you may suffer for it, um, but to do so in a way um, that not only speaks the truth, but leads with love. Mm. Well, the other thing is you're saying that, you know, not doing it for any sort of selfish ambition or for any prideful reason. You know, as I think about St. Maximilian Kolbe, and as you were sharing the story of his life, and even as he is looking ahead toward imminent death in the coming days. He's still praying and singing songs of praise and worship and helping those who are there dying alongside him. And I can't help but imagine that anybody who is headed off to a physical martyrdom, that they would, they would be facing that steeped deeply in prayer there wouldn't be the, let me do this for my own sake. I just want everybody to see what an honorable and strong person of character I am. Uh, no, if, you, if you're going to lay down your life, you're probably spending some serious moments, however many moments you might have before that death uh, in prayer. Another one that I think of is Blessed Miguel Pro. Um, you know, there's those pictures that you see of him where he is kneeling and praying right, right in front of the firing squad that will kill him. And he's even offering them forgiveness. He's praying for the people who will kill him. Um, if, if you're not going to go into whatever that martyrdom is, again, even if it's not a physical death, uh, if you're not doing that with prayer, then something's out of alignment there. I think that's right. And I think, you know, of course, our Lord gives us that, that supreme witness on, on the cross. You know, when people would face crucifixion, they'd be cursing, even their own mothers that they'd been born. They, they were vehement. And, um, you know, Christ's eyes in that moment are fixed on the Lord. Um, they're fixed on his Father in heaven. And it's, it's, it's that um, sort of um, looking to God in praise and thanksgiving that enables uh, the Christian response uh, in those sufferings to be able to even say, Father, forgive them for they're not what they do. And I, I see, you see that in the martyrs, that their eyes are fixed on the Lord, that it's praise and thanksgiving to Him. Uh, and it's not a self-exaltation. It's uh, an exaltation of God. And um, it's, a, it's an emptying of oneself, that great kenosis that we see in the, the letter to the Philippians. You know, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And um, it's, it's that attitude that we need to have in our witness to the culture, in our little martyrdoms, um, when we hold up the Christian faith and, and we, we, we point to Christ, uh, not as people who are better than others, but as beggars pointing others to where the bread is, you know, yeah. and saying, here it is, here's the bread of life, here's the one, and uh, we want to give that witness, because it's not a witness to ourselves, it's a witness to God. 
Absolutely. Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Anna Maria, who's listening to us in San Marcos, Texas. Hi, Anna Maria. You're on the air here on The Inner Life. Hello. First greeting to Father. Um, we love you, Father. We miss you. Um, I miss you, too. Good to, see, good to hear from you. <laughs> I, and I was just wanting to thank you for your words on martyrdom. I had never put put it that way whenever I talk to my grandchildren about Jesus and then they say, oh, we don't, we don't want to always be hearing about Jesus or whatever. And um, my grand, my daughter says, they're going to not want to be around you because you're always talking about Jesus. And so I still do it anyway. You know, I'll try to do it in a nice way, not, not judging or like she says, I'm judging them. I'm not judging them. But I don't know how to do it anymore, except for one. One is still willing to listen, but the others are a little like, oh, I don't hear she goes again talking about Jesus. What can I do? I mean, I try to be joyful, but it still hurts. Yeah, and it is it is a sort of a humiliation, and and but do not sort of put your light, um, you know, under the bushel basket to put put it on the lampstand and be like, you know, I'm, I'm unabashed in my love for the Lord. I'm not going to force it down your throat, but I'm not going to hide it away. And so often, you know, um, people do sort of push us to the side. And so Anna Maria, I, I know you. She's one of my last parishioners at my last parish and uh, her husband as well. And I uh, know some of your grandkids. Um, you know, it is it is going to be a tough witness, but it's it's so worth it. And to do it with joy. And I know you and your husband do that so well as well. So keep hanging in there. Mm. Anna Maria, thanks so much for calling in today here on The Inner Life. And, you know, as she's talking about that, that, that um, wanting to not compromise on the fact that it's important for her grandkids to be able to hear that role that her faith plays in her life, that it is of primary importance, but then also wanting to make sure that, uh, you know, I don't alienate myself to where I lose that effective witness. Um, that's, that's a really tough kind of balance to walk there, Father. I agree. It is uh, a really a challenging one because there's also the particular challenge of meeting people where they're at and helping them to text, take the next right step in front of them. And so um, you give spiritual milk uh, to those who are infants in faith, uh, but sometimes when you put solid food, um, it can be too much for somebody, so to speak. You know, and, and so when we put it all out there at once, it can sort of extinguish the flame of curiosity with a, a deluge, uh, so to speak, or a, a waterfall of information. And so we have to um, uh, learn the art uh, of uh, that incarnational principle of ministry, which is, is entering into life, hearing and loving the person, and uh, then witnessing it in the way that the person hopefully can receive, that they can take in. Um, and it's a fine line to walk sometimes, uh, to know when the right moment is, when it's not the right, right moment. Right, right. Well, Father Craig, uh, we've got about 20 seconds left here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour today? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God and Father, we ask you to pour your blessings forth upon all of our listeners, that they may know the joy of your love and may share it in the world. And may God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Craig. And thank you for being a listener here on The Inner Life. Uh, I say it every day, of course, and you hopefully know it by now. If you missed any part of the program, go back and listen to the podcast. It's available at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And of course, stay tuned. We have Mass coming up next from the Cathedral of St. Paul. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.